more than 100 unique styles of beer, each with their own set of ingredients, process, guidelines, history, and experience. If you're a beer lover, an industry leader, or somewhere in between, a better knowledge of beer style will improve your life and your work. Welcome to A Sense of Beer Style, essential beer style training for those who want to lead in food and beverage. I'm Julia Herz. And I'm Jeremy Storton. We're advanced Cicerones, beer judges, home brewers, and we're excited to guide you through the vast and wonderful world of beer styles. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining Julia and Jeremy, Sense of Beer Style fellow fans and beer lovers. We're excited today to be overviewing part of the Pale Commonwealth Beer section in the Beer Judge Certification Program Style Guidelines and talking about Australian Sparkling Ale. This is a beer that Jeremy is holding up if you happen to be watching us. One of the original examples, certainly the recipe has evolved over time, um, but that uh, Cooper's example helped set the stage and the tone in the, in the 1860s. Uh, and what we've got is an Australian um, from the country of origin originated style that is appreciated and at least known all over the globe. Uh, this is a beer that is really meant for the warmer environment. So mm -hmm. it was a beer on the ale side that has been made to basically compete with lagers um, that were also uh, being used in warm environments and to quench the thirst. This is also a beer when you start to talk about it, and we'll get deeper into it as we go on and talk about flavor and mouthfeel. But the clarity is something that uh, it comes and goes to pay, depending on the publican or the person that's serving the beer. Rousing the yeast is something that Germany doesn't own only. Um, the uh, Australian sparkling ale has this technique, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, but it's also mostly always um, bottle conditioned or naturally carbonated, um, which could also elicit the notion of a cast style beer as well. But they are sparkling with some volumes of CO2 that give it some light um, carbonic acid and bite. So if we were to um, brew one of these and talk about the main ingredients, Jeremy, what goes into an Australian sparkling ale? Well, this is, yeah, like you said, this is one of those interesting beer styles where the style is really based of, off this one beer and then of course other people brewed similar versions of it and and that goes to this is a nice um hop forward yeast forward very light beer so we're so we're, what we're really talking about is australian two row um i've never brewed with it myself i don't know how australian two row is different from american or elsewhere so i i'm dying to know but uh but uh mm -hmm. but uh, but it's a, it's the base base malt um you can use very, very small amounts of uh, very uh, low Lova Bond crystal just to add a little bit of color. But this is a pale beer, so we're not talking very much color at all. Um, they are also This beer style is also known for not using any adjuncts, except for maybe a little bit of uh, cane sugar for uh, uh, priming in the bottle uh, and making it bottle conditioned. Um, they're typically going to use Australian hops, uh, another uh, hop that I've never used myself, uh, Pride of Ringwood. Um, it supposedly brings out this uh, kind of like an iron-like uh, uh, flavor, but not in a bad way. Um, and they're also using a very uh, attenuative, uh, kind of like a British-style yeast, but uh, there's, but it's not just like the same yeast that uh, that they'll use up in uh, uh, Burton on Trent for pails and IPAs, it, it it has its own character, and and this is really what defines this style is just this yeast 
character in this hop character. And so we'll dive in, dive into that a little bit more uh, in just a little bit. Let's talk about the appearance. Actually, I'm going to ask you to talk about the appearance and I will start pouring this thing. Yeah, please do. Um, and color for an Australian sparkling ale will be deep yellow to light amber, um, often with uh, kind of landing in that medium gold range. But yet it is a ale, not a lager. So don't ever assume based on color if something's a lager or an ale. Um, and then effervescence and carbonation is definitely a part of the appearance of this beer. Uh, brer, 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 oh gosh, I can't talk today. Brilliant clarity, if decanted, is what the style guidelines note. Um, style guidelines also talk about that some publicans or producers um, are encouraging the publicans and bartenders to rouse the yeast by rolling the keg. Mm -hmm. So, yes, brilliant, but you might want all the vitamins and minerals from that yeast. And so appearance can be you know, deceiving. It might be also cloudy based on the preference. Um, you've got uh, you know, just a beautiful, inviting-looking beer. What about the aroma? How how will it smell? Well, um, I'm getting distracted by the aroma, but I'm going to, uh, with your blessing, add just a couple things on appearance because if you go to uh, the website for this beer in this brewery, they talk about rolling the can, rolling the beer, and my beer is now open, so I'm not going to do that. Um, but that's something you can do with American Wheatails, uh, German Wheatails, uh, to to get that yeast in there, to roll it before you open it. Um, as uh, so, I'm gonna, if you are watching this, then you can see that I poured this very the, the term is silently because I wanted no yeast. It is very very brilliantly clear. The other way to rouse that is to pour half of it and then swirl the bottle and really get that yeast uh, going, and then finish pouring straight down. And now we get a little bit more cloudiness in the beer. Uh, and and now, it, you know, as I can see, now there are little bits floating around in my beer, too. And so that just these are things that you can experience uh, when you have your um, with your beer. So I just made the ultimate sacrifice and I turned my brilliant beer uh, cloudy. The aroma now that I have this poured. And that's really one of the reasons why you want to rouse your yeast uh, and get this in there is for all the aroma. And I'll run down with this too. It, it, you have a low to medium uh, 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 malt, uh, uh, but really the the malt, the hops, and the yeast all come together in in really good, uh, really synergistic balance with this. But it, it's really going to come across with notes, uh, uh, aromas of uh, palm fruits. Of like I would get more pear. I get more. Um, just a touch of uh, uh, ripe, uh, not quite brown, but ripe banana. Uh, you can get a little bit of like grainy breadiness, but the brainy, the the breadiness can go from just like a neutral bready to like a sweet bread as well. So it's you can pay attention to how the breadiness is is manifesting. Uh, we shouldn't have any caramel in this uh, or caramel, um, and the hops are really going to come across as just being this, this earthy herbal. Uh, and like we talked about before, if you're using pride of ringwood, you can get just like something that makes you want to think I'm, I'm tasting like pennies or blood or like that iron like flavor, but you're going to get a lot of yeast character, uh, um, typically out of this. And I'm getting a, a little bit of a sulfur, uh, out of this too. And that is okay. It's coming across as just a, a little bit of matchstick, but it, it, it works with this beer and it's, and it's not, uh, overboard. These are the aromas that kind of typify uh, a classic um, Australian sparkling ale. Let's talk about the flavor. 
Yeah, and the flavor really does carry over from what Jeremy mentioned. So most of the ranges of the flavor profiles you mentioned for malt um, and for hops, they're going to carry over into the flavor. Although aromatic compounds is only one component of flavor, physical um, basic tastes uh, and aromatic compounds as you're drinking are going to be a little different than what you just smell. So you're going to get a sense of bitterness to this beer that the hops are also bringing to the table, medium to medium high bitterness, believe it or not. Um, and then yet the beer itself finishes crisp and dry from that synergistic balance of all the components, malt, hops, um, ethanol, are all going to really bring it to a nice place and it's going to have a kind of crisp, dry finish. One thing we didn't mention um, in the ingredients but will affect the flavor is you can get a sense of mineral out, minerality or sulfur mm -hmm from the uh, types of water that the broad water profile that would be brewed for these Australian sparkling ales, frankly, originating from the Cooper's area in Australia to influence those flavors. So mineral or sulfur notes um, might be there. You also do talk, um, talking about ale yeast, get some esters in the um, flavor. They mentioned the style guidelines that banana is optional, which is surprising. So you even got, you know, these um, more express expressive esters uh, but not as common, although don't be surprised if you get banana in it. Um, and then you are going to have some maybe peppery notes um, from the hops. You've got herbal um, resinous hops uh, that really do showcase medium to medium high hop flavor. So this is a beer that emphasizes the hops more than the malt. And um, as Jeremy drinks it, I'm thirsty and excited <laughs> to try one um, sometime soon. Yeah. What about uh, anything you would want to add since you're drinking it and then also take us into mouthfeel? Well, I, I now that I'm drinking it and you're describing it, I can literally say what she said uh, because um, I'm tasting the the mineral. I'm getting a little bit of that flint. I'm getting a little bit of all that um, uh, kind of a, a dry finish in the in the end as well. And it's, and it's just wonderful. Um but the but the carb we talked about this just briefly, but let's get into the mouthfeel. Um, this is uh, <clears throat> excuse me, it can be kind of a, a medium bodied beer, but there's going to be an impression of a little bit fuller bodied uh, beer because of the carbonation is high to very high. This is spritzy. You get this carbonic bite to it. Um, it's it's uh, assertive is being nice. Um, aggressive is being a, a little too aggressive. So somewhere between assertive and, and aggressive is where that the carbonation lies. Um, uh, but we we just mentioned the body, uh, the uh, the alcohol warmth. If it's there, is going to be really low. It's going to be really well attenuated, meaning it's going to you know, have just this dry. Uh, this dry finish to it. It's drinkable, especially on a warm day, especially um, after spending time around the ocean in, in, in Australia, um, you know, or anywhere else. It doesn't have to be the ocean, but that's where my mind goes. Um, that's how the mouthfeel comes across to me. Um, let's talk about the style comparison. What, what beers uh, can we compare this to? So I love in talking about Australian sparkling ale, how the main um, emphasis in the guidelines takes us back to British golden ale, mm. basically the Australian sparkling ale's brother or sister under pale Commonwealth beer. So it's very similar to an English pale ale and certainly listen to um, our British golden ale recipe. Uh, but it's more highly carbonated. It's really emphasizing from that hot environment um, to be refreshing. We want these beers fresh, by the way. We want them highly mm -hmm. carbonated. And then they're not going to have as much caramel as other English pale ales. As Jeremy mentioned, that is just not indicative of this style. Um, and yet you've got um, an essence of more coarse bitterness 
because the final gravity is lower and um, the residual sweetness is lower. And so you've got some fermentation that really attenuates this beer with litter, lower residual sugar. So the hops, the bitterness of the hops will showcase certainly in a stronger, more predominant way. And so I kind of got ahead of myself on some of that, alluding to the statistics on this beer that will help our listeners understand um, what I'm talking about when I talk and reference final gravity. Take us through the statistics, Jeremy, please. Uh, well, I'm, I'm going to jump into commercial examples real quick. Um, oh, uh, I jumped. Yeah, that's fine. That's okay. We, we, we've got a plan. We're going to follow the plan. This one is simple. Yes. Um, I, I, I lucked out when, when I got to talk about the commercial examples on this one because uh, this is it. Uh, Cooper's Sparkling Ale or even uh, Cooper's Original Pale is listed in there. This is what the style is, is, uh, is written after. It's this beer. Now, there are other uh, breweries that will brew something like this, but just like uh, Anchor's Steam Beer, that the California Common was made for the steam beer. Uh, the Australian sparkling ale was made for Coopers. Um, and uh, it, it's, it's, this one's easy. Um, so now let's get into those stats um, uh, that you were just talking about. Yeah, and I love that there's really only one main commercial style that's organic to point to, but it's fair game. Brew these at home, brew these commercially, yes. and let's get some more style guidelines to point to for sure. Yeah. So vital statistics for Australian sparkling ale. Um, we start with original gravity, which only really matters to the brewer, but it gives you an indication of where the alcohol might land. And it's 1038 to 1050. So that reflects a sessionable, more um, uh, light style beer. Final gravity is 104 to 1006. Um, Play-Doh actually from the Brewers Association guidelines would be 1 to 2.5 um, and a higher final gravity on the BA side of 1010. So I don't mean to confuse you, but there are ranges based on different interpretations of this. 1004 to 106 for BJCP really reflects a dry, highly attenuated beer. Um, final alcohol by volume then is 4.5 to 6%. Um, that, is, uh, that is refreshing and sessionable. And then international bitterness units, um, moderate, certainly something to talk about, but not aggressive, 20 to 35 IBUs. And then um, the SRM or standard reference method for color um, is four to seven. Um, that reflects basically gold, as I said earlier in the show, to uh, dark gold, getting a little touch of amber, but not a mm -hmm. lot. And then in terms of uh, EBU um, or European Brewing Convention color um, ranges, that would land at three to 10. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about the, uh, the glassware. This one was a little bit tricky. I admit I had to look it up um, because I, you know, I didn't know. And when I go to the, the, the Cooper's website, they show a glass that looks like an American shaker pint, but much taller. And so the closest thing that I could come up with would be uh, from my uh, glassware cabinet would be uh, similar to a Willie Becker, but without the curvature, it'd be tall. It would be a cylindrical um, uh, or slightly conical, I, I would say. Um, and this would be a type of glass that I would expect to see that beer in. Now, because this is a warmer uh, climate type of beer, or just really is, it's ideal for that, I chose to put it in, it was essentially a glorified water glass with a stem. Why, Julia? I'm so glad you asked. Because if we're somewhere really, really warm and we're getting all this condensation on this glass, last thing I want to do is wrap my my 
big old warm paws around this thing to warm it up even further. I want the option to hold it from my tiny little stem and keep it as cool as possible until it is uh, thoroughly consumed and enjoyed. That's, that's um, my vote on it. When it comes to temperature, this is, uh, you know, we can talk, uh, we'll talk Fahrenheit, we'll talk Celsius. Um, a simple way of thinking about it is I don't want this from the bottom of the cooler. I want this from the top of the cooler. Uh, there is color in there. There is flavor in there. There are these um, aromas, the esters, the yeast, uh, they all have something to say. The colder it is, the more these flavors and aromas are going to suppress. So I want this uh, out of the top of the cooler, and I want it to warm up a little bit as I'm drinking it. So as far as Fahrenheit goes, uh, you know, refrigerator temps in Fahrenheit are 38 to 40. I want this 42, uh, and if I let it go to 45, then I, I've probably let it get too warm. Uh, with Celsius, um, I'm thinking somewhere in the ballpark of uh, five, six, seven degrees is where I really want to uh, enjoy this. Uh, but the, that's where we are with this glassware. Let's start talking about our favorite food pairing. Absolutely. And thanks for the baton pass. Yeah. Uh, in terms of pairing, just getting to know Coopers who established this style, they actually set out to have some food pairings. If you go to your website, their website, you can check it out. And they emphasize the beer that Germ uh, the Jeremy's drinking, the Australian sparkling ale, is an IBU international bitterness units of 30. I, if you recall, for your beer study, said the range from the uh, style guidelines is 20 to 35. So Cooper Sparkling lands right kind of at the higher end, but not the top of 30 bitterness units. And they emphasize because this would give um, a hot or spicy dish a real kick. Uh, because of the uh, medium level hops, they suggested accompanying mild Asian inspired dishes full of ginger and garlic. And I really, really like that suggestion. Mm. So I'm landing with that. They're the experts. They've been probably eating and drinking that pairing um, since the 1860s. So that's where I, I stay. Well, and because this is a little bit drier in the finish and far more effervescent than a lot of beers, and just with a flavor profile, I could see this going amazing with like a pad thai. Um, but because of, the, you know, this beer really speaks to a lifestyle, at least in my mind. Um, this is a great beer for warmer weather. What the, what I really want to pair with this is after I'm done surfing, after I'm done spearfishing on the back of the boat, I want diver scallops. I want crab. I want lobster. I want, um, you know, I, I want this uh, urban Parmesan crusted halibut, uh, to have with this, uh, that would just be an amazing way to enjoy this beer. Well done. Well done. Uh, <laughs> Are, you you. You are... Are you with me? I think you are. You had me at every word um, and, and bringing the essence of the ocean and the sea to this mm. more warm weathered intended beer is great. Yeah. So we thank you all for listening to Sense of Style and uh, Julie and Jeremy here as your, your, your partners in beer studies journey. Uh, keep in touch. Keep uh, trying, tasting, brewing and learning and cheers to you each. Yeah. I can't wait for more. See you then. Thank you for listening to Essential Beer Style, the essential beer style training for those who want to lead in food and beverage. With advanced Cicerones, me, Julia, and me, Jeremy. Tune into the next episode as we continue exploring the world of beer styles and what to make of them. We encourage you to listen to the prep episodes to build your foundation and better understand beer styles. 
And before the next episode, I'd like to ask you to review the show and let us know what you'd like featured in upcoming episodes. Until next time, here's to you and your sense of beer style. Thank you for listening. Cheers. Cheers.